Welcome to another edition of Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church. We're so glad you chose to listen with us today, and we pray your life will be blessed through the following message. If we are being led by God, then we can be just as at peace and and happy with a million dollars as we can with one dollar, with a mansion or a shack. It doesn't matter. The, The key is being led by God. That's the way we do Christ in the Bible a lot of times. There's a lot of good meat and potatoes. There's a lot of things that we can dig into. You can find out about the context of the author, what's going on during that time. And by the way, I'm not saying that's not good to do. But I think the opposite happens to us a lot of times that we get focused so much on the deep part of it that we miss the simple part where God says, just love me and love your neighbor. Just love me and love your neighbor. The simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians to the church that it was afraid their minds would be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ by the craftiness of the enemy, the devil. As we look around our world today, do we not see confusion, chaos, and disorder? In our own lives, are we not constantly bombarded with busy schedules, stress, and temptation around every corner? In times like these, we should take the advice of the Apostle Paul and just keep it super simple. In today's message, we'll look at how Jesus was and is moved with compassion for us and how we can follow his example by moving with compassion for our neighbors. I want to lay out the case today that sometimes we get so deep into our study and into our Christianity that we miss some of the simplicity with God. I was reading a book called The Epic of Eden by Sandra L. Richter. She said, and they're humans rather than recognizing the trappings of their own culture and that their culture may in fact be very different from someone else's, tend to assume that other societies are just like their own. And so basically what happens is the world around you and your sphere is the way you see the entire world. And you believe that the way it operates in your house and in your community is the way it operates all over the world. Spiritually speaking though, we do this to God. We believe this way or that way, so God must believe this way or that way. Or God doesn't believe this way, so why not? And I think that's where you get a lot of people that begin to question God and ask, ask things like, how can a good God send people to hell? Why did my mother have to die? Or why won't you heal me, Lord? We begin to cry out because God's not moving the way that we think he should move. And so we begin to get this, this view that the way we see the world is the way God sees the world. And we've got to flip that around on its head because this leads to doubt, disbelief, loss of, you know, just faith. So instead of following the Holy Spirit, we're trying to get the Holy Spirit to follow us. When we start running the way that we want to run, that's when we start getting tired and fatigued and we lose sight of what God's doing and those lines of communication get frayed. Another thing that, that Sandra Richter said was that a second tendency known as canonizing culture exists. And that's usually unspoken and typically unconscious, but if you think about your world, it fits. It's when we presuppose that the norms of my culture are somehow superior to the norms of someone else's. The way I believe is better than the way you believe. Or I believe this, why don't you believe this? Which when you're talking about Christianity and salvation, I totally get that and that works. But sometimes people are called to different things by the Lord. 
For example, I'm called to fast, so you must be called to fast. Well, that's not always true for that particular time period. Or how about I'm called to uh, do something, to give something up, so you should give something up as well. Or this one really, really got me. I'm called to get a million dollars. You should be called to get a million dollars. And if you don't get a million dollars, somehow your faith isn't strong enough. Now, I pray everybody in here will get a million dollars. That'd be great. Be sure to tithe off of that and give offering to the Lord. Honor God with your tithes and offerings. But the reality is, if we are being led by God, then we can be just as at peace and and happy with a million dollars as we can with one dollar, with a mansion or a shack. It doesn't matter. The, The key is being led by God. You see, God hasn't called all of us to be rich. As a matter of fact, you get to studying the tribe of Levi back in the days of Israel. They were called to give up everything. When they were divvying up land, the Levites didn't get any land because they had been called to a particular service. And then there were other other places that, that God definitely blesses. And with our natural eyes, we can start to wonder, why, Lord, why are they getting blessed and I'm not? That's because we're looking at it through our own cultural perspective. It's not working out the way we think it should work out. So either I'm doing something wrong or God doesn't love me or something of that nature. God's view is totally different. So I told you today we want to keep it super simple. We want to keep it super simple. It's so simple, I didn't even know this scripture existed. 2 Corinthians 11.3, but I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Paul's saying, you know, I'm concerned that that you're going to, you're going to forget how simple it is to be devoted to Christ. We get so excited about the things that God's teaching us that sometimes we forget that the ultimate message is simple. We talk about the Ten Commandments. We talk about do this, do that. But when Jesus was asked what the greatest commandments were, he boiled it down to two. He summarized the whole scripture down to two. Love the Lord your God and then love your neighbor. And he said the rest will take care of itself. That's how simple it is. We make it complicated. I think back to my days as a math teacher, and when we taught integers, it was one of my favorite days. Integers is just the study of positive and negative numbers, and for a lot of kids, they didn't, they didn't know negative numbers existed. Us as adults who have gotten in debt understand negative numbers exist. <laughs> but kids don't know that. So you begin to lay out the rules to them. They get their little cheat sheets. And they take each problem and they start working those problems. And they're thinking hard. And they are thinking hard. And then you throw a problem in there like three minus one. Something they've been doing since kindergarten. And buddy, it'll take them five, ten minutes to solve that problem. Well, the three is positive. That minus works like if I do that plus and the one becomes negative. And the, well, I got this and I just sit back and smile. And I let them work through it. And part of the lesson that day is to remind them that don't make it more complicated than it is. Sometimes it's just that simple. If you have three items and you take one away, you have two items. You don't have to go through all these rules that we just gave you. That's the way we do Christ in the Bible a lot of times. There's a lot of good meat and potatoes. There's a lot of things that we can dig into. You can find about the context of the author, what's going on during that time. And by the way, I'm not saying that's not good to do. But I think the opposite happens to us a lot of times that we get focused so much on the deep part of it that we miss the simple part where God says, just love me and love your neighbor. Just love me and love your neighbor. 
the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. That's God's view. God's, it's not complicated. That's what God's saying. Don't overcomplicate this. It's so not complicated. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, Jesus, they didn't need a Bible. That's how simple it was. They didn't need a Bible. They, they, they wrote it for us. They, they helped us with the guide. But we're using them like, I, like the kids use those rules for integers. And sometimes we forget that it's simple. Love the Lord your God and love your neighbor. So how simple did God make this world? Well, I figure the best way to have compassion on people and the best way to operate and to love the Lord our God and to love our neighbor is to simply look at Jesus' example. So we're going to take one of those examples today, and it comes out of Mark, the first chapter, verses 40 through 42. And it says, And a leper came to Jesus, beseeching him, and falling on his knees before him, and saying, If you're willing, you can make me clean. Moved with compassion, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, and said to him, I am willing, be cleansed. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was cleansed. If we take this one example, we can learn a lot about how Jesus operated in this world. And it can help us understand how we're supposed to operate in this world. First of all, a leper was a person that basically had a, a, a really, really bad skin disease. But it went further than that because they became the outcast. They were isolated. They were put out of the camp. Can you think of a situation where that's going on today? I, I definitely believe the COVID, COVID virus is real. Especially since I got the COVID virus and went through it, I definitely know it's real. So I'm not telling you it's not real. But what's happened is, just like God takes something meant for evil and uses it for good, Satan tries to take a situation and make it worse. And so where there was no fear, he is trying to cause fear and create fear. I told you my grandmother is up at the assisted living home, and they are doing absolutely everything they possibly can to keep everybody safe in there. As a matter of fact, not a single resident in that place has gotten the COVID virus. Okay, By all measures, we would say that's excellent, that's awesome, except for this right here. One of the ways that they have accomplished this is, not only are they restricting movements coming in and out, for example, we can't go in to see her. My cousin has gone to the window, and they look through the window and say, hey, and do stuff like that, but not able to go in to see her. But they've also got the, the residents isolated inside of the building. They're not even really interacting with each other. So, so we've taken a situation where we're trying to protect people and we have moved to a situation where now we are compromising things like their mental health. That's what the enemy will do. He will come in and he will twist something and he will make you believe something that wasn't true in the beginning. We talked right there a minute ago in 2 Corinthians and he talked about the serpent coming in and deceiving Eve. Well, if you remember back, all he did was twist God's words just enough. And he said to Eve, did God tell you not to eat from any of the trees? And Eve said, well, no, he didn't tell me that. He just said this one I couldn't eat from. Well, well why? It's just going to make you smarter and wiser. Surely God would want you to understand better. And Eve begins to think about it. Well, yeah, that makes sense. That's what happens. That's what happens. He gets in there. Do you know that there are doctors that have said that they believe we should never, ever shake hands again? We should never, ever hug and, and have contact again. That that's the way it should be. Do I think that they're evil? Absolutely not. I think they're operating in the best way that they know how to, to protect people. But again, you take some situation and allow the enemy some ground, and he begins to twist everything that God has set up. Lepers were like that in Jesus' day. On top of that, think about this. Anytime a leper got 
leprosy, <laughs> they were treated as if they had done something wrong. Why? Because a lot of times that was punishment from God. You look back in Numbers and Second Chronicles, and I think it's in Kings, and there are many times God aff- afflicted the person with leprosy as punishment for sin. But then what happens is we begin to see anybody that's got leprosy must be doing something wrong and must have had sin. This is what happened with Job. His friends said, well, you must have done something wrong. You look in John chapter 9, and that's the verse we read last week. The disciples and Jesus go to this blind man, and the disciples immediately, immediately ask him, whose sin is this a result of? Was it this man's or was it his parents? There was no third option. It was already assumed that the man had sinned, and that's why he was blind. We do that as well, don't we? We see our community, and we say things like, they're in that situation because of the decisions that they've made. That may be absolutely true, but until you actually talk to somebody and minister to them, you don't really know because things happen to people all of the time. Sometimes it's for bad decisions that we do make. Sometimes it's just because things happen. All of the time, it can work to the glory of God. But we have to take that opportunity to reach out and have compassion like Jesus had compassion. And again, this is just one of those examples where he had compassion on the leper. So who are the lepers in our community? Who are those that are isolated and outcast and people that we don't want to have any contact with or we're scared that their leprosy will rub off on us? It says the leper came to Jesus beseeching him. You know what beseeching is? Begging urgently. It's not just, hey, if you got time, could you maybe heal me? It's urgent. It's begging and it's earnest. Earnestly, urgently begging. He came to Jesus for that. When's the last time that you beseeched God? He was begging for his cleanliness, for God to cleanse him. When's the last time we went to God and we urgently, earnestly begged for him to cleanse us? Again, the leper came to Jesus. Are people coming to you? In other words, do they see Jesus operating in your life to the point where they can trust what you tell them to be the truth and freeing. If not, that needs to change. We understand that it's Jesus inside of us, but it ought to be so transparent and so so active in our lives that people see that and they want that, that they need whatever you have, that when they're down in the dumps or everything's just crashing around them and life is not working out, they know I can go to this individual or that individual. They can come to me or they can come to you. See, the leper knew that if he went to Jesus, Jesus could heal him. Do people know if they come to you that you can get them healed? Don't mess with me on my words too much. I get it's not us healing. It is Jesus through us. But you understand what I'm saying, right? It's Is Jesus operating in us that people will come to us and ask us to pray for them? The second thing, it says that Jesus was moved with compassion. I don't know if I've ever really thought about that. I just knew that's what Jesus did. I didn't think about the fact that it was just moved with compassion. In other words, this is a a sick person. I'm going to heal them. Why? Because that's what I do. But no, he was moved with compassion. Compassion is, is a sympathy. It's a conscious sympathy for others. It's being in distress together with a desire to alleviate. The, the running joke, and it's not built off of lies, it's built off of truth, is that 
It's sometimes tough for men and women to talk together because sometimes women just want to express themselves, but men always want to do what? Fix the problem, right? Well, with Jesus, he wants to fix the problem. He hurts with us. He's in distress with us. How do you know that? Because he left heaven to walk this earth and experience the same things we experience, one, to prove that it can be done, but more importantly, to be that sacrifice so that one day we could join him in heaven. Does he move with compassion for us? You better believe it. His whole ministry shows that. So if he moved with compassion, shouldn't we be following his example and moving with compassion? But you know, sometimes we just can't muster up the compassion. I think we've all had that situation where we just, we really just wanted to say, get away from me. I don't want to be around you. I don't want you to touch me. I don't want you to look at me. I don't want you to even be within, forget six feet, man. Just be 600 yards away from me. Go somewhere else. Y'all hadn't had those days? Tammy tells me that there are days that I'm just not, I'm just not of, of the mental state to be around people. And it's probably a good idea that we just stay home that day and not be around people because every once in a while, I just want to blast people's doors off. I'm sure you've been in that situation as well. So sometimes it's hard to muster up compassion. Sometimes it's hard for me to care about your problems. And Lord, don't let me be going through something myself. It's even harder for me to care about your problems. Not that I don't care about you, but I got my own issues I'm dealing with. That's not how Jesus operated. So what do we do in those situations? How do we muster up the compassion? How do we have the compassion of Christ? What's the, what's the key today? What's the key phrase? Kiss. Keep it super simple. Isn't that what he told us and I read to you in 2 Corinthians? So we're going to keep it simple. You ready? How many times have you seen this scripture, but how many times have you applied it to asking for compassion? Matthew 7, 7 and 8. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be open. I have heard this scripture read over and over again when it comes to stuff. But what if we applied it to the inside stuff? God, give me the compassion. How many times have people told you, don't pray for patience, you might get some? I've heard that so many times because what they're saying is, if you begin to pray for patience, then you're going to go through a lot of stressful situations. I don't mean to be rude, but the dumb part about that is you're already going through those stressful situations. If you learn how to have patience, they won't be stressful anymore. But we convince ourselves we don't want to go through that pain, so don't even pray for it. We ought to be praying for compassion like Jesus had compassion. We ought to be praying that God would open our eyes to the hurting people of this world. Yes, they may have made some horrible decisions, but guess what? We all do. We all do. The Bible says, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Not just some, all. We all need a Savior. We all need Jesus. I encourage you, if you don't have that compassion, keep it simple. Keep it super simple. Ask. Seek. Knock on the door for God to give you that passion. I told you guys that I've been, <laughs> I won't do it today, Bobby, that I've been willingly going with Bobby and some others to these different churches and I was telling another friend of mine that goes with us, I said, you know, I just want more of God. I just want more of him. <laughs> so the first opportunity, the pastor wanted to pray, and I sat in my pew. And my buddy turned right around to me, and he said, didn't you say you wanted more of God? I said, yeah, I did. He said, well, I think you need to get up. 
And it was at that service. It wasn't that first time. It was the second time I got prayed for. But it was at that service that I received a touch from God that I hadn't had in so many years. But I had, I had said the right things, but I wasn't, I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't seeking him. I wasn't pursuing him. We can do that with more than just getting a touch from him. We can do that with compassion. You know, the third thing I want to tell you is that Jesus touched the leper. And I want to do this with sensitivity. And I understand that we have a pandemic on our hands as a, as a, a world right now. And I do not want you to go out there and just tempt the Lord thy God. The Bible is very specific about that. I read an article months ago about these uh, young adults, teenagers, that were having COVID virus parties. That, that's tempting the Lord thy God. That is not very smart. That, that's not what I'm talking about. We want to combine what we talked about last week, which is being led by the Spirit, but then acting on that leading. Be led by the Spirit, then trust the Spirit and act on what he's leading you to do. Because what's happening is we're allowing the enemy to work inside of us to where we're not doing this simple thing that Jesus did. We're not touching others. And it is, for the most part, out of a fear of catching this virus. I want to encourage you to trust God and know that he will take care of you. Because what have we talked about? If you're a Christian, is death a concern? So if death's off the table, what are you worried about? Getting sick for a little bit? Well, the same God you're using to pray for other people will heal you and take care of you and prevent it from even coming on you. We cannot live in fear. We have to have contact with people. Even if it's just with our own families and loving on each other and laying hands and praying, Jesus touched the leper. The, the person that had a skin disease that nobody would touch, that nobody would go near, they isolated him, put him outside of the camp. But Jesus touched him. Do you know that the sense of touch is the first sense to develop in the human Happens at eight weeks in the gestation period. Touch stimulates the brain. It releases endorphins. It can cause your blood pressure and your heart rate to be reduced. And they've done studies where babies, especially premature babies, they used to isolate them and isolate them for a long period of time without any kind of touch. They no longer do that. There's lots of studies talking about how that touch with the baby and especially its parents early on helps that baby develop cognitively, emotionally, we cannot avoid people because of this virus. I'm not asking you to put yourself in a situation that's not smart. Please hear me. I say one more time, be led by the Spirit. However, I do have a suspicion that we're not even allowing the Spirit to lead us in this situation. We are hearing what the news is telling us. We are seeing people that have contracted the virus. We've seen people that have died, and we are concerned, and we're allowing that fear to get into us, and then we're justifying our actions. I want to challenge you today and encourage you. Don't, don't do it because Herman told you to do it. It's very similar to prayer last Sunday. It was different directions. Normally, we just open the altar up. We ask you to come down. Whatever you need prayer for, we pray. God did something different last week, and he was very specific. He asked you not to come down unless you were led by him. Dad stood over to the side. You know and I know that every one of you would have come down to pray for him because you love him with all of your heart. But that's not what God was, was reminding us of last Sunday. And so everybody didn't come down to pray for him. Why? Because not everybody was led to come pray for him, and that's, that's perfect. That's great. But when you're led by God, 
First thing you got to do is you got to seek him. You got to open those lines of communication. Lorraine, that word was perfect. Those lines of communication have gotten frayed. Again, keep it simple. How do you open up those lines of communication? Read your word. Pray. Spend time with the Father. Let worship pour over you. The simple basics, back to the basics that we learned as new Christians. That's how we get that communication line opened back up to God. And that's how we get those frayed wires not frayed anymore. We got to be led by the Spirit, but we've got to move with compassion, and we can't be afraid to lay hands on people and give them a touch, not just from us, but from God. I want to kind of bring this to a, a close here, and I want to go back to the first quote that I read you, where it said, humans, rather than recognizing the trappings of their own culture and that their culture may in fact be very different from someone else's, tend to assume that other societies are just like their own. And I want to break this down spiritually because I think we do this as Christians. Rather than recognizing the trappings of our own views and our tightly held beliefs, we tend to assume God's views are the same as ours. Let me say that again. Rather than recognizing the trappings of our own views and tightly held beliefs, we tend to assume that God's views are the same as ours. Guys, we're called to be in this world, but not of this world. The world shouldn't rub off on us. We should rub off on the world. We're supposed to look at things with spiritual eyes, not the natural eyes. It doesn't matter what our eyes are seeing. What are our, what's our spirit seeing? Eventually, we're all going to die. And I don't mean to say that flippantly. But I think we put so much stock in the fear of death that we're missing life. We're all going to die someday. I saw a demonstration, and I don't have it with me, but I think it's simple enough since today's theme is keep it simple. He had a rope, and that rope he stretched out from me as far as to the back of the, back of the sanctuary there. And at the, the beginning part of that rope, he had taped off about this much, just a small section. And he said, this represents your life when compared to eternity. See, we are seeing our life as the rest of that rope. We think that's our life. It's not. Our life is short. Paul said, momentary light afflictions. My grandfather's 92 years old, and that's a drop in the bucket from what his eternal lifespan will be. We've got to quit looking at this world as if this physical stuff that we see with our eyes is what God wants us to see. There's a spiritual battle going on, and we got to be like Jesus. We have to move with compassion like Jesus. Our job is to be willing vessels for our God, regardless of our understanding level. You could say there's no God, but that doesn't make it true. We see evidence of him all around. We need to be part of that evidence to other people. I'll leave you with this thought. Jesus was moved and is moved with compassion for us. We should be like Jesus and move with compassion towards our neighbors. Let me ask you this question as well. Did you share the gospel with somebody this week? Were you moved with compassion for somebody this week? If not, I want to challenge you. Please, please, please step out in faith. If you find yourself saying anything except, I want to tell that person about Jesus, then go to prayer about God, change my heart. Change my heart. Whether it's the way they look, the way they smell, the way they talk, what they've done to you in the past, it doesn't matter. If we don't have that compassion for other people, regardless of their actions, then we've got to get on our knees and ask God to give us that compassion. And I want to encourage you to do that this week. 
And I want to encourage you to step out in faith to share the gospel. Father God, I just pray blessings over our church family here, those that are here for the first time. Father, I pray compassionate hearts. Lord, give us that hunger, that desire to spread the word the way that you spread it, Father God. Lord, let us see things the way you see things, Lord. Let us feel things the way you feel things, Father God. Lord, when we start to get wrapped up in our own lives and we start thinking about me, 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 God, convict us. Help us to repent. And Lord God, set us on that path again to live in this life for others. Lord, we thank you for being that example of compassion. We thank you for keeping it simple for us, Father God. And Lord, I pray right now that we would just remember that this week and that we would reach out to, to, to people and share your word today. Father, I pray blessings over each person today, that you would go with them, Lord, that you would guide their steps, that you would just bless them, Lord. For those that are struggling with sickness right now, we pray healing in the name of Jesus. We command that body to line up and that sickness to be gone right now in the name of Jesus. We plead the blood of Jesus over those that are sick right now, Father God, whether it be a, a mental illness or a physical illness, Father God, we just cover them right now in the name of Jesus and the blood of Jesus that was shed for us. And we pray healing right now, healing, healing. Father, we just thank you for this day and the time we could come together to spend with you. Father, it's in your name that we pray. Amen. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman, an elder at Southside, to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that He would cause His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.